Hello and welcome back to the Barron Alumni Podcast Series, a series dedicated to showcasing the journeys and experiences of Barron alumni and former educators, featuring your new host, Linda Macunda. This episode has been brought to you by St. Croix Casinos, Vegas action with Wisconsin attitude. Located in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, give them a call at 715-986-4777, extension 3050, or visit their website at stcroix-casinos.com. With me today is Barron High School alumni, Dr. Howard Whitmore a 1953 Barron High School grad. So welcome, and thank you so much for meeting with me today. So Howard, I've had the pleasure to work with you and your sister Clara since 2006. That's when I was a school counselor, and it was my pleasure to work with you and today to record you for this podcast. So my mission for today is just for you to share your journey so we can share some of the amazing things that alumni like you have done since they walked the halls of Barron High School all the way back to 1953. Your story is very amazing and it's very inspiring. You alone have done so much to make a difference in the Barron Area School District and our communities. So I hope we get to touch on all those wonderful tasks that you have done in this recording. So Howard, can you share what year you graduated from Barron High School and a little bit about your high school days? Well, thank you. Yes, I graduated in 1953, and uh, going to Barron High School was a real experience. Prior to that, I was from the Dallas area, and the Dallas kids had would go to Dallas for all four years, and then they canceled the uh, last two years, and you'd have to get on the bus and go to Barron, which was 15-mile ride. So that's the background, and some of my older brothers followed that model, and by the time I come along as the younger brother, we went all four years in Barron. That wasn't quite an experience for a country kid on a sure. dairy farm. I thought that was a Taj Mahal, you know. Yeah. That was a, yes. a pretty good place to go to school. Yes. So uh, I enjoyed the years there. and It was big. You had a lot of people to meet and have 100 in your class. And then in grade school, we were lucky to have another person in your grade. Sure. You know, okay. So So through eighth grade you went to Dallas? No, that we had a local country school oh, near our okay. farm. So oh, all right. So you went to a country school? One-room country school, yeah. Okay, all right. And then after that, so then your high school days, then you were transported to Barron. Yeah. The bus would come by early in the morning and we'd go for a long ride all over the country picking up kids. Sure. So went, went south of Ridgeland, which mm-hmm. was about eight or nine miles the wrong way, <laughs> picked mm-hmm, them sure. up and then picked others up and finally got into Barron with a load of students. Oh, neat. <clears throat> All right. So the high school that you graduated from, it's not the current building, correct? Correct. The building that I graduated from was on uh, Main Street of Barron, down on the east side. Right now, I guess there's a grocery store on there. Yes, yes. Nice high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a marker with a picture of the high school where the grocery store now sits, marking mm-hmm. that historical site. And I think it was in the later 50s that the new high school was maybe built. So you mm-hmm. might have been one of the last grades to graduate from there. Pretty close. Yes. I don't remember exactly when they and they used it for other things before they finally terminated its life. Sure. 
Were there any significant moments or teachers or events from your high school days that left an impact on you? I've been asked that question several times. There were a lot of good teachers in Barron High School, a lot of them. I hesitate to mention just one, but I know uh, Del Hendrickson taught agriculture, and he was uh, taught all of my, my four other brothers and myself, and uh, he just did a wonderful job. We would build hog feeders for our hogs, and we would do practical things like that that we could take home. I tested the cows for butterfat test and milk production all the years that I was there. Neat. So uh, he was very helpful. Mm-hmm. English teacher, uh, Mrs. Brocktrop, she was wonderful. She was really cared, and, you know, and taught us good, solid basis mm-hmm. in English, and uh, oh, some of the others, good math teachers, good chemistry teachers, they were caring, and mm-hmm. that's important. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Barron had good teachers, and Johnny Hoare always did what he could to promote Barron High School, did a good job, and mm-hmm. I think he was right. They had broader curriculum, and so they could offer the students more choices. Mm-hmm. And he was your principal? <laughs> yes. The principal, yes. I've heard his name and several then he, times. And then he taught an economics course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. So that was, that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he would uh, have all those lectures in folders like that, you know, on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he'd grab the wrong lecture and start in. <laughs> We'd help him out, but for the most part, he was right on the ball and took mm-hmm. a good course. <laughs> oh, yeah, busy man if he was teaching and being a principal. Oh, he was busy. Yes, okay. <laughs> yep. Now, you come from a large family, and all your siblings graduated from Barron High School, correct? True, yeah. And how many were in your family? There were seven. Okay. And where do you fall, Howard, in those seven? I'm second from the youngest. The youngest, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, great. So from there, um, what did you do after high school? Well, right after high school, and that was a tricky situation because we had a pretty good-sized dairy farm and we're milking a lot of cows, and by then we had electricity on our farm. And so we had a milking machine, so that made it easier and faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kept telling my dad that, you know, I wanted to go to college. None of the other boys had gone to college. An older sister went and became a teacher. I had good parents, but dad still believed that, you know, he says, we can't afford to let you go to college. We need you here to help out on this family farm, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was right, but I kept pleading so the first year out of high school, I had to stay home and farm. That was quite a year. <laughs> Dad and my brothers took on another job over here logging, and I was left there to run that farm. And it was a big job. Yes. And uh, then I kept on with the college plea. And by golly, pretty soon, uh, one night when I asked him for the... <laughs> I don't know how many times, but anyway, he just said, well, I'm going to say yes, but he said, you'll never come back here and farm again, I'll bet. <laughs> so he didn't want to lose in it. You know, we grew up with a family farm, and they had, sure. they had uh, many children, so they'd have more help on the farm. Sure. And that was just the normal thing back mm-hmm. then, so... 
Mm-hmm. Good parents, but they didn't want to lose their help. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can understand yeah. that. You know, I grew up on a farm too, and, you know, we all had to help out. And oh. I told my dad almost daily that I was not going to marry a farmer <laughs> just because I knew the work and Do how much, you, yes, how much. Do you much know that's exactly what my two sisters said too? Oh. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. To expand on that subject then, can you share some insight in your career journey then? Where did you go to college and what kind of degree did you pursue? Well, I just told Dad, says, what do you want to study? And I said, I want to study something in agriculture. I don't know for sure. And so it was left at that with Dad. And then uh, Johnny Hoare, when I, somehow the word got to him that I was going to start college, you know, next year, next fall. By golly, he he fooled around, and somehow he got a nice scholarship for me at River Falls. So I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, uh, you got to pick your major, and you know you get quite a bit of guidance during that first two months. They were telling me all of the different fields that you could go into if you studied agriculture. And by golly, this one uh, advisor just happened to mention the. Uh, the option of veterinary medicine. They had a pre-vet program at River Falls, pretty much lined up to go to the University of Minnesota Veterinary School. And once I heard that word veterinary, the lights went on and I never looked back. Oh, that's that wonderful. That was it. And when I feel very fortunate to have such a passion about a certain aspect of mm-hmm. college. And so my mind was made up as soon as I heard the advisor mention that word. Sure. So River Falls, UW River Falls, and then from there you went to the University of Minnesota? Well, that's where I was all lined up, but a veterinary school is probably the hardest to get accepted into, even harder than medicine or dentistry or so many people want to be veterinarians. Mm-hmm. And this was at a time when the veterans were getting back from the Korean War. Mm-hmm. So they had, at Minnesota, they had 448 applications, and they started 48. So it was very difficult. Sure. And they told us from day one at River Falls that you've got to have straight A's or they're not even going to, you don't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. Well, getting straight A's is kind of hard. Yes. I had a few cases where they drew the line right on top of my name for oh. A and B. Sure. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Twice in physics, and I think that's the one that kept me out of Minnesota. But I got to be number four on the waiting list right off the top, and then number three, number two, and then number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't get accepted into Minnesota, but I had applied at a number of schools. Sure. Fortunately, we had a, a long story, but we had a close relationship with the cattle buyer and dealer from Oklahoma who come to our farm, bought a lot of cattle and hauled them back there. He took a lot of cattle into the veterinary clinic and he said, I know that director of clinics pretty well. He said, I'm going to put in a good word for you. By golly, he did and he got the same story that, you know, they have mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of applications and can only start mm-hmm. so many, about 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, he said he's raised on a dairy farm and he wants to be a dairy veterinarian. And he said, well, that's pretty tough to get in. But he said, what did you say his name was? <laughs> he wrote down the name and very shortly thereafter I was accepted. Great. <laughs> so I hate to say it, but I probably had an inside kind of a pull 
But boy, they watch that today, and there's no more of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what, though? If you weren't great and you weren't worthy of it, I don't think he would have done it. Well, I I know uh, that's a long ways from home for me. Mm-hmm. To go from a Wisconsin dairy farm to a veterinary school in Oklahoma. But mm-hmm. I got on a train and finally found my way to Stillwater, Oklahoma, and, and got in and had this great four-year period down there. Great. So then you so, were four years there, and after you graduated and you became Dr. Howard Whitmore as a veterinarian, then where did you go? Well, I, I was practicing in Barron, and I thought that was the last job I'd ever had. Loved, just loved working with dairy farmers, and that was 95% of what I did. Mm-hmm. But I did have a kind of a hanker into specialized too, and I was doing more and more work in the field of reproduction, whether it was we do a lot of checking cattle for pregnancies, and uh, of course, there's a lot of calvings that you got to help with, and then the problem of fertility and getting the cows inseminated artificial insemination was coming on and the dairymen were struggling with that mm-hmm. so uh, I was working nearly 80 percent of my time with dairy cattle reproduction mm-hmm. so I was always looking around I wonder if there's anything I can do to specialize by golly University of Wisconsin had a program down there that they had gotten into in a big way with dairy cattle reproduction and so I applied down there and they actually came and got me, so they offered me a deal too good to turn up. Sure. A postdoctoral stipend and all the tuition paid all the way through for both a master's and a Ph.D. Oh, nice. So that's the program that I took. Okay. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was in Barron 10 years in practice. Mm-hmm. Sad day when I left my practice and oh, went to sure. Madison. Mm-hmm. But got into graduate school, found out how hard it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but hung in there, and it took about four and a half to five years to finish both the master's and the Ph.D. Sure. Then I had uh, many, many job offers, because if you've been both in practice and had those graduate degrees, that's exactly what they need for teaching mm-hmm. at the veterinary school. Sure. And how many years were you a veterinarian, or did you practice? I know you're still a veterinarian, yeah. but how many yeah. years were you in practice? Well, I practiced 10 years here. Okay, there. 10 years here, and then yeah. you went on to get that specialist degree, yeah. and after you got your specialist degree and your Ph.D. in some of those areas, yeah. did that take you to Illinois? Uh, it took me first to Minnesota. So I, I taught in Minnesota for about eight years and enjoyed it very much with the veterinary students. And they had an outstanding program in dairy cattle reproduction. They had 50 farms that we would take the students to and perform a a dairy cattle reproductive health program. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was pretty much ahead of that. So that was a wonderful time in Mm -hmm. Minnesota, too. Then my my good friend uh, that we had hired at Minnesota... I was a superstar, and everybody was trying to steal him away from us, and Illinois got him, and then he wanted me to come down and join him, and so that I couldn't pass up. He was just a a top five veterinarian in the world. Sure. And so to work with him was really a dream. Sure. And is this your friend from Sweden? Sweden. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, neat. Neat story. And our lives were 
quite a bit alike. We were both devoted to dairy cattle and mm -hmm. majored in it and mm -hmm. graduate degrees. And, mm -hmm. and uh, his major advisor knew my ad major advisor at the University of Wisconsin. Oh, wow. Very well. Mm -hmm. They'd both been going to national and international meetings for years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we just had a, a became best friends from that day on. Mm -hmm. Oh, so. that's great. Along the way, though, I think you met the love of your life, Shirley. And can you tell us a little bit about your family life that you had along with this extremely busy career? <laughs> well, in some ways, it's not good to be that devoted to your profession. My, I was married and uh, two children, and uh, I was absolutely happy, not much free time, and my wife was unhappy with practice because there wasn't enough family time, and she was right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's one of the reasons that I started to look for something to specialize in. Mm -hmm. thought that would make it better. But somewhere along the line, it didn't work, and so... She wanted to be separated, and so that was sad, mm -hmm. but that happened. I had the children, and that was uh, at the University of Minnesota when I was teaching there, so I made a major move with two children to the University of Illinois. Mm -hmm. It was a big decision, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that worked out mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. you know, it's never good for the children. They pay a price. So. Mm -hmm. And now it all turned out pretty good. Mm -hmm. And now you're with Shirley, and, <laughs> and you've been married how many years? We've been married 39, yeah, 39 years. Well, congratulations. That's a yes, long time thanks. to be married. Yeah, we've been all over the world. Yes. Now, Howard, you and some of your siblings have been great contributors to the Barron Area Education Foundation. Can you share a little bit about why or how you got started back in 2006 with that? Yeah, I had the option to retire when I was 55 from the University of Illinois, and I always wanted to kind of be in the dairy business because I devoted my life to it. And that was about the time that there was an explosion in the large herd industry here in Wisconsin. The large herds were moving in with those huge barns. You could put 1,000 cows in one of those big mm -hmm. buildings. There'd be four pens, 250 there, and on each corner of that barn, each quadrant, there'd be, you'd have your 1,000 cows in them. That's how big those operations get mm -hmm. to be. Then you got to have a big merry-go-round yeah. for a milking parlor mm -hmm. and all that. So mm -hmm. we put together a lot of money, a lot of risk, and started that big farm. And the reason we went to South Dakota was primarily because the governor of that state was pleading for people to come and start these large herds. Whereas in Wisconsin, there was certainly mixed feelings because mm -hmm. of it would put the smaller farmer out of business. No doubt about it. And I agreed with him. Didn't like that. And it happened. Yeah, it did happen eventually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't have to be part of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we were... We went to South Dakota, we lost a lot of money in the beginning, and finally got it turned around, and then we made significant money. And that's when I started to think, man, we got plenty of money so we can get into philanthropy. And that's what I did at that point. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to do that mm -hmm. anyway, and my children knew that ahead of time. <laughs> mm -hmm. So after I sold the farm, which was 2006, that's when I started into philanthropy and never looked back. 
first you take care of your children and mm-hmm. discuss everything mm-hmm. and then go from there. Yeah, we're very grateful. And your sister, Clarice, who was very, very active with our foundation, I know probably talked to you a little bit about <laughs> some of the things you could do because Absolutely. it was at that time that you and some of your yep. siblings started to contribute significant mm-hmm. amounts of money to mm-hmm. our foundation. Yeah, that was the Barren Area Foundation. Correct. Mm-hmm. And Clarice was working with, I think it was, uh, was it Ramsas? Yes, Cal Ramsas. Cal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. and she was so active in in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, she's kind of my role model. Mm-hmm. She did so good here in Bear. She did. She oh. was very active and, yeah. yeah, very caring and on top of everything. She was the treasure for the Barron Area Education Foundation for, well, since it started back That's in 1992. And she carried that till, oh boy, I think three years maybe before she died. Very, very active. And she just felt she wanted to get some younger people kind of involved, Mm -hmm. which was great. And we found another Barron alumni who was part of our community Mm -hmm. to take over for her. But Clarice did her job very well and was a great promoter. Clarice and my other sister, Helen, had both contributed money to that foundation, and she encouraged me to think about it, Mm -hmm. and I did, and so uh, they had that nice recognition board there. the wall at Barron High School, yes. Well, here's the five boys that uh, had not contributed, (laughs) so I had this uh, money and so I put in money for all of us. Mm-hmm. And, and I had the pleasure to work with you as a school counselor to get a lot of those scholarships set up and and to work. So that yeah. was good for me because then I got to meet more of the Whitmores from mm-hmm. that area. Yeah. Okay, so besides you contributing greatly to the Barron Area Education Foundation, you also did something else for the Barron School District. Yes, yes. And is. can you share a little bit about your next idea that you had yeah. to help out yeah. our school district? Teaching at the University of Illinois, I became aware of a good program that they had there. And that program was called one-to-one mentoring. The school would identify the children that were in trouble of, at high risk of dropping out of school. And so this organization, one-to-one mentoring, was designed to help those kids. And most of them didn't have much of an adult in their life. And so when you would find a a mentor that would volunteer to work with these students and to just be encouraging and not be dictatorial at all, they just would encourage these children to finish their high school education and then there would probably be scholarships for them to go on and get another degree where they could be successful in life. Mm-hmm. So that's the program that had been going down in the University of Illinois, but it was centered in the two high schools, Champaign and Urbana, are right together there. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got started. Yes, I still remember yeah. the day you called me, and we were talking, and you brought this idea up, and said that you wanted to donate a million dollars to our district to get this started. And um, you know how you sometimes just remember where you are when you get some news like that. And so that was a quite delightful surprise. And <laughs> yeah. I think that was maybe eight years ago. Close to that. Yes, yeah. probably, yeah. I think like 2011 or 12. Yeah, whenever it took a while to get it started and it took a while to get the whole program, the bylaws written out. And yes. And, that. and we finally got it done and got the money in the bank and that got it started. Yes, and it's made a huge difference. You know, now we have mentors 
for students and people from the community. And then if students are involved in the mentor program, when they graduate, you know, the, the, besides the foundation, also the endowment that you have gives each of them a, a $2,000 scholarship. And this year we had three students who greatly benefited from that, you know. So, yeah, the, in the class of 2020, three of those students were very happy about that and, and very well-deserving. So thank you for that on behalf of them. I know they really appreciate it, and, and we do too. Well, my goal for that scholarship is that the students that finish, that we can assure them, if they'll finish the program and graduate, we can assure them $1,000 for the first year and $1,000 for the second year scholarships. Mm -hmm. So they are motivated a little more to right. go yes. on. Mm -hmm. Many of, of these students go on to vocational school. Mm -hmm. They get good jobs where they can make considerable money. Yes. Oh, yeah, it helps yeah. just to have that mm -hmm. skill. Yes, I thank you very much for that. Okay, you know, you shared a little bit about your family, and you have two children. Two children. Was it difficult to try to balance, you know, with your children while you were pursuing some of these degrees? Can you share a little bit about, well, about that, your children? Yeah, that, that was time-consuming, that's for sure. Graduate school was harder or mm -hmm. difficult. You have to study almost twice as much as you did. Sure. Well, veterinary school was the first big surprise mm -hmm. that I had to buckle down a lot more than my pre-vet years at River Falls. Sure. <laughs> but you do what you have to do. And try to you got to make the grades, and you just have to master it. Mm -hmm. so. And where are your children? <clears throat> well, uh, my daughter finished her degree and then got married right away. She worked different jobs for legal aid and this and that. And now she's living in the Minneapolis area. There's some sad news there that I have to tell you real quick. That is, they could not have children. And that bothered my daughter quite a bit. Finally, they adopted. They looked quite a while before they got a, someone to adopt. And then that went on, and by the time that nice girl they adopted was say three or four years old my daughter kind of suspected there could be a health problem of some sort well time went by they found out that from the adoption records of the state of Minnesota that the mother was hooked on some bad things and so this daughter then was ran diagnostic tests forever and ever but now they know that she's got a mental handicap will always need care. She'll never be able to be live independently. Mm -hmm. So that is really hard on the mothers when that happens. Mm -hmm. And this one is really, it's called the fetal alcohol syndrome. So she's been living with that for a lot of years now. Mm -hmm. The daughter is 21 or two. But we've worked and worked with her, and we've got things mm -hmm. pretty well set up now for the future. She'll be taken care of. So that was sad. Mm -hmm. And my son, he graduated from high school in Illinois, as my father did too. And then he, lo and behold, wanted to go into business accounting. And the University of Illinois was right number one or two in the nation in that field. So he did the same thing Shirley did. Two mm -hmm. years at the junior college and then the last two at the University of Illinois and got his degree in accounting and passed the CPA uh, really on the first time. 
and then he wanted to go back to Minneapolis where his childhood friends were, and so he got a job with an insurance company in Minneapolis, and he's been there all his life and is, is there yet today. Nice. So both your children are live in the Minneapolis area? Yes, they do. Okay. And I think at one time, wasn't your granddaughter, though, kind of the inspiration, too, behind you setting up this mentor program? Well, yes, it was on my mind. Yes. That's and right. I just remember you sharing that story yeah. and that you wanted to try to make a difference, not just in her life mm-hmm. like you guys have, but yeah. in yeah. other children. And I had always told my children when they were small that I said, if I ever get to the point where I have some extra money, I want to get into philanthropy. Mm-hmm. And so they all knew it, and they've repeated that to me. So. Yes. So, and here you are. You're very active yeah. in your philanthropy. Yes, and it's very rewarding, too. Oh, that's great. Very rewarding. That's great. So now that I have a nice summary of your career and your personal journey and your family, I want to ask you a few parting questions about your days at Barron High School. In hindsight, is there one thing you wish you would have done differently when you were in high school? I uh, wish that I could have participated in all the extracurricular things, but... (laughs) With farming, it was tough. With dairy farming, it is difficult at best. Right. Well, the dairy farming was your extracurricular activity, and look, it led you to a career. It did. And it was also a passion. Yes. Yes. Dairy farming made the philanthropy possible. Yes. And, you know, if you're not doing your passion Mm -hmm. with your career, you're just not happy. So I always used to tell my students that it's got to be a right fit. It's got to be a match to be made, not a prize to be won. So I think you found your match and your passion. That passion, if we could get the young college students to follow their dream and follow that passion, if they can sort it out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's important. Yes. I think you know the mm-hmm. mission of the Barron Area School District is about, you know, making your dreams come true, yeah, you know, while is. you make a positive impact. And mm-hmm. I, I always think that's such a good mission statement because if you can follow that dream and have that passion, you're probably, like you, going to make a positive impact, you know, on the world. Yeah. And last If you could talk to your high school self right now, is there anything you'd tell yourself back when you were that teenage boy? I think it would be just what we said, that passion, passion, and passion. Very good advice. You know, if you've got that motivation behind, you're going to enjoy life Mm -hmm. and and be productive. I hope that they can do more to help the children find that passion. Mm -hmm. Your program here at Barron, I think, is fantastic with this one-to-one mentoring. Yes. Things are really starting to come to fruition now, mm-hmm. this year, after five years of mm-hmm. kind of up and down. And now we're making good progress, and I think good things are going to happen here from this program. Yeah, I do too. My husband is a mentor, and so is my daughter. Oh, They're boy. both in the program. And now that I'm retired, I'm planning on taking maybe one or two on as well. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, I just think and just wonderful. keep. We just got to keep recruiting people because we certainly have the students that need a mentor. You know, by all means. I got to throw one other thing in. It's been very rewarding to me to have been involved with the stock market mm-hmm. ever since uh, 1962. Was when I got my first stock, and mm-hmm. I followed it, and we got into the Warren Buffett investment thing, and that has paid big dividends, and that's allowed me to do some more philanthropy, which I'm very happy for. 
Mm-hmm. So we just started my own private foundation for the purpose of funding a joint international research project between the country of Sweden and the University of Illinois, the two veterinary schools. Oh, great. And lo and behold, the purpose of that study, joint project, is to study new and emerging diseases that are in animals and they transfer to humans. Oh, okay. Guess guess what's going on right now? That pandemic is exactly what we're going to study in a joint effort for the next 10 years. Oh, great. And Howard, what is the name of that foundation? It's named after my good friend. It's Mm -hmm. Augustuson Whitmore International Research Fund Award. Oh, great. Long name. Great. That's what it is. And Mm -hmm. it starts December of this year, and it goes 10 years, but they'll be pretty well established by then in that field of research. And so we hope to have two centers from there forward. So in December of 2020, you're going to start the Gustafson Whitmore. Yes. This foundation, this research, and you're going to have it set up in two different places, Sweden and Mm -hmm. University of Illinois? Yep. Okay. Oh, that's going to be wonderful. And then that will carry on for 10 years of research. Yeah. What my son and I are doing is we're... uh, taking the money out of the foundation we we do a wire transfer 50,000 goes to the veterinary school of Sweden 50,000 to the University of Illinois and so that goes on for 10 years oh that's great that's wonderful yeah. and what a wonderful you know tribute to your good friend that you yeah. practiced with and traveled yeah. with and oh. and even followed yes mm-hmm. he's my role model yeah <laughs> oh. and uh, so Way I, I'm really honoring three things. My good friend, Dr. Gustafson, because he'd said many times, you know, that if he had enough money, he'd want to start something like mm-hmm. this. And so I was able to advance that, and I'm happy for that. And the other two things are to honor the veterinary profession that was so good to me and to honor the dairy industry that has been so much of my life and so good to me, too. Mm-hmm. So those were the three reasons. Oh, it's, that's it's, wonderful. It's just rewarding to be able to be in a position that you can do these great things or wonderful things. Mm-hmm. And it help. will make a difference. You know, with the advancement of research, I have no doubt in the next 10 years that's going to be huge for us. Yeah. Because, um, yes, we have to have agriculture. That's how we live. If we don't yeah. have agriculture, it's going to be pretty tough to do that. <laughs> so I thank you for that. So thank you, Dr. Howard Whitmore. I want to thank you for taking the time today to not only share your journey, but I want to also thank you for making the lives of the Barron Area community and all of our students who have benefited so greatly from your scholarships and the mentoring program that you set up. So this wraps up another episode of the Barron Area Alumni Podcast Series. So thanks again for taking the time out of your vacation with your family, and I hope that every year when you come back to visit Wisconsin that we're able to meet again so that I can get caught up on what you and Shirley and all your wonderful foundations are doing for the lives of people in our country. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Barron Alumni Podcast Series, courtesy of the Barron Area Education Foundation, featuring your host, Linda McCunda. This episode has been brought to you by St. Croix Casinos, Vegas action with Wisconsin attitude. Located in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, give them a call at 715-986-4000.
4777, extension 3050, or visit their website at stcroix-casinos.com. To stay up to date on future episodes of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. To support and donate funds to the foundation, or to become a sponsor of a future episode, you can visit us at www.baron.k12.wi.us and click on the Quick Links tab to find the Foundation homepage.